You are Locked On Timberwolves, your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked On Wolves. I'm also the editor of Dunking With Wolves, the Timberwolves site on the Fanside Network. Happy Friday, everybody. Happy weekend. This is a victory Friday. The Timberwolves beat the Detroit Pistons on Thursday by 11. This is the postgame podcast. We're going to break it all down. Key takeaways, individual studs and duds. It's all upcoming on the show. First of all, though, thank you for making Locked On Wolves your first listen each and every day. Of course, Lockdown Wolves is free and available everywhere. That includes YouTube as well as all of your favorite audio platforms, Apple, Google, Spotify, Odyssey, wherever you like to listen to podcasts. You can also follow on Twitter at LockedOnTWolves and at BBeacon. That's with two Bs, two Es, C-K-E-N. All right. Uh, Wolves beat the Pistons on Thursday. Setting the stage real quickly. No Cade Cunningham for Detroit. I think that's important to note. Uh, And, uh, you know, given that information, you'd think the Wolves would have maybe had an even easier time. Of course, Jeremy Grant was back. It was just his second game back from injury after missing an extended period of time. Also, Kelly Olenek came in off the bench for Detroit in this game. Didn't play a whole lot, but uh, was was available for them. Um, So, uh, you know, Obviously, missing uh, missing Cade Cunningham matters quite a bit. The Timberwolves still no D'Angelo Russell, um, no Josh Okogie in this game as well, although Patrick Beverly did play. Of course, he played on Tuesday as well, but he was available in this game for the Wolves. Um, and Detroit has, you know, they've lost, uh, what was it, 10 to 12, I think, coming into this game. Had struggled quite a bit recently, struggled all year. They're 14th in the East uh, and second to worst record in the entire NBA, 12 and 38 coming into this game. The Timberwolves, although they've played well at home, by the way, since the first of the year, I believe Detroit was five and three or five and two at home since January first. So, I mean, shown some signs of life again. No, Cade Cunningham. The Timberwolves had won two in a row coming into this game and, and have still been the league's best offensive team really since the start of January. Although the defense has struggled, and that's really what we saw in this game: is Minnesota went to town on Detroit's defense and, and really didn't have any problems scoring. Uh, but offensively, or excuse me, defensively, the Timberwolves really struggled in this game once again. Um, and, uh, and that was kind of the story of the game. You know, if we're, I was to summarize it in basically one sentence, it was more fantastic offense for Minnesota granted against a poor defensive team, but Detroit, I think this is important to know they were 29th in offensive efficiency coming into this game and they didn't have Cade Cunningham, who's obviously one of their better players. And the Timberwolves give up what they give up 150, 117 points in 48 minutes in a regulation, 48 minute game, no overtime to the Detroit Pistons. Not great. Uh, Detroit shot 44% from the field, 33% from the three-point line. There were a lot of free throws in this game that was part of it, but of course that's kind of the Wolves' MO is they can't defend without fouling. So it's just, it's coming out of this game, it it was very much a taking care of business win for the Timberwolves, and and it's important a win is a win. It was still a double-digit win. It wasn't that, you know, they didn't really have to sweat it out at the end, but you're talking about the league's second-worst team missing one of their best two or three players, and the second worst def- offensive team in the entire league, and they hang 117, granted in a loss. Uh, not not a great feeling, honestly. Uh, certainly not a skies falling type thing. Again, a win is a win, and they took care of business, and they didn't sweat it out. But uh, disappointing um, in, in terms of how the defense played in this game. Early in the game, the Timberwolves, uh, and actually the first half of the first quarter was fantastic. They got up by as many as nine before the midway point of the first quarter. It felt like they could put this thing away pretty early. But uh, Detroit, 
really for the second part of the second quarter and or second part of the first quarter and the entirety of the second quarter was extremely competitive. They scored 35 points in the second quarter. This was a two-point Pistons lead, believe it or not, at halftime, um, which is not at all what Minnesota had in mind. The point of attack defense was miserable for Minnesota. Uh, again, no D'Angelo Russell, and weirdly enough, and one of the weirdest twists of this season so far, the Timberwolves are far better defensively with D'Angelo Russell on the floor than without him. Um, Patrick Beverly was okay defensively, but Anthony Edwards struggled. Uh, Jared Vanderbilt was was fine, although the, the overall defensive rotations were not solid enough. When they went to zone, they didn't get out on the perimeter to contest jump shots well enough. Uh, the Again, point of attack defense was the biggest issue. issue. Um, and it was just kind of like, just kind of a half step slow throughout the entire night. And the Wolves' hands were active in passing lanes, but their feet weren't active enough getting out to the to the perimeter. The low man wasn't quick enough to step up oftentimes. Um, and they would just kind of get out of whack. And 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 this was really for the majority of the first half. The, the third quarter, which has been the biggest issue for the Wolves for much of this season, certainly the last few weeks, is when the game got flipped on its head. The Wolves were a plus 11 in the quarter, and they were up nine going to the fourth. And they closed very strong. And, and a lot of that was due to solid defense, but it was more of the offense clicking and Malik Beasley and Torian Prince getting hot off the bench. And, and Carl Anthony Towns, who had a relatively quiet, I think he had six or eight points at halftime, he had a strong third quarter and the Timberwolves were able to build that nine-point lead headed to the fourth. And the lead got up to, uh, I think it was 12 or 14 in the fourth quarter before Detroit went on a bit of a run and it got all the way down to five points in the fourth uh, with just a couple minutes to play. And the Wolves actually had to had to you know, had to work a little bit to, to pull away. This is actually a 16 point game. It was 117 to 101 with seven and a half minutes left. Uh, really, actually, no, with six minutes left in this game. It was 117 to 101, a 16 point lead with six minutes to play. Detroit cut it all the way down to a five point lead, 117 to 112. So they go on, on a, what is that, a 9 0 run uh, or a 10 0 run to make this a six point game. Uh, I'm sorry, make it a five-point game, so an 11-0 run. And then the Timberwolves, thankfully, came down. Anthony Edwards gets gets the end one. Uh, the Timberwolves get a stop on the other end. Beverly makes a basket. Now it's a 10-point game again, and it was basically over at that point. Uh, the Pistons did get briefly back to within five with a minute and a half left, um, but it was it never really felt like it was in doubt because the Timberwolves' defense at that point was was solid. Towns had a couple of consecutive blocks in that final, that that. Pistons possession with just under a minute to play with the Wolves up five. Towns blocks Sadiq Bay and Jeremy Grant. Um, after it was a block, there was a rebound, a timeout. The Towns got another block. Um, and then the Timberwolves came down and scored on their end, got another stop, scored again. And it was a 10-point game, and, and that was it. Um, so a decent close after a really rocky middle of the fourth quarter, a very frustrating first half. But the third quarter, the first half of the first quarter, the third quarter, and the first part of the fourth quarter were strong enough for the Wolves to be able to build this lead um, against a, a bad team in the Pistons, frankly, and, and ultimately come away with the win. So it wasn't pretty at times. The defense was was definitely shoddy, and I want to talk more about that. But there was just enough offense for Minnesota. I mean, we can complain about giving up 117 in four quarters, but scoring 128 in four quarters, is uh, it, it, that's nice. That'll play. I mean, that, you're going to win every single night if you score 128 in four quarters. Um, so I want to do key takeaways next. I've got three that I want to key in on, and then we'll do individual studs and duds. First, though, let's talk about our friends over at Bet Online. 
BetOnline has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. As football continues the march through the playoffs right to the big game here in just a couple of weeks, actually just really a week and a half, BetOnline.net remains the best spot for all of your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just football. BetOnline has up-to-the-minute info on pro and college hoops, NHL, boxing, UFC, plus live real-time updates of current games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the new amazing offers available for the 2022 season. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, let's talk individual studs and duds. First, though, let's talk about the trade deadline show. Again, thank you for making Lockdown Wolves your first listen. The trade deadline is next Thursday, less than a week away, Thursday, February 10th at 2 p.m. Central. Uh, it's 3 p.m. Eastern. The Lockdown NBA podcast will be covering it live from 1 to 3 p.m. Central, 2 to 4 Eastern. Join Kim Becker, John Corrales, and Lockdown Fantasy Basketball host, the fantastic Josh Lloyd, to get analysis of every blockbuster move. Subscribe to Lockdown NBA YouTube and turn your notifications on so you know when they go live. All right, uh, let's talk key takeaways. So the first thing is the defense. I talked a little bit about this already. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to complain about it a little bit more, I guess. Uh, the point of attack defense, I mean, we're talking about the Detroit Pistons, Sands, Cade Cunningham. So, I mean, yeah, Jeremy Grant's a good player. He's not that scary off the bounce. Uh, he's not super efficient, and he wasn't in this game either. He scored 20 points on 16 shots. He was better as a catch-and-shoot three-pointer, three-point shooter, which is what he's been throughout his career. Sadiq Bey, though, was, again, not super efficient, 21 points on 21 shots, but he was active. He had 13 rebounds, including six offensive rebounds. Isaiah Stewart had five offensive rebounds himself. So it was a combination of, of these issues with point of attack, and then it was securing the defensive rebound. They gave up 13 offensive rebounds in this game. Um, and uh, second chance points, the Timberwolves were down 12 to two at halftime in second chance points. Uh, when it was all said and done here, what was the what was the final uh, in second chance points? I guess I don't have that right in front of me. I thought I did. Uh, but offensive rebounds, the Pistons won that battle 13 to nine. Um, and, and that was an issue for Minnesota. But again, the point of attack defense, Corey Joseph was able to kind of probe and, and do what he wanted to do. Same with Sadiq Bay and Jeremy Grant to a lesser extent. Um, and oh, and, and actually, the the bigger issue was was Frank Jackson. I don't know how I, I didn't mention him first. He was uh, far better than the starting backcourt for the Pistons. I mean, he finished this game with twenty five points and eight of fourteen shooting, made five three pointers in this game, only turned it over once in twenty seven minutes, ended up leading them in scoring, and and just. The consistency of the Timberwolves' point of attack defense this year has been really frustrating because it's been so good at times, but they were just getting getting burned. I mean, pretty much anyone that was out there got burned at some point in this game, and the help side defense was just not there. The rotations were not crisp. Um, the helping the helper was not happening. There were guys that, you know, the, the first help would happen, the second one wouldn't, and there'd be wide open layups or lanes for offensive rebounds. Um, it was just a lackadaisical effort. Outside of that, for the first half of the first quarter, the Timberwolves were active. They generated five, six turnovers very early in the first quarter. Um, and they continued that crazy stretch that they're on and forcing opposing teams to commit 10 or more turnovers. I talked about this on Thursday's show, previewing the game. The Pistons are a bottom five team in the league. I think they were actually third, the third worst team in the league in terms of offensive turnovers, committing turnovers. The Timberwolves continue to lead the league in forcing opponents to commit turnovers. So I, I said before the game, the Wolves should probably get the Pistons. I think I said 14 to 16 turnovers that the Pistons would commit. They committed 15 turnovers in this game, but a huge chunk of those were in the first quarter and the Timberwolves stopped being quite as active early in the game as they were early in the game. And that allowed the Pistons to get back into it. I said this earlier, it was more, the Timberwolves had active hands in passing lanes. They had their hands up most of the time. 
but it was the feet that weren't there. So they got some deflections. They got some, um, some easy steals. They picked off some passes with anticipation early in the game, but helping the helper wasn't happening. The Xing out was not consistent. It wasn't crisp. Three point shots were not getting contested on a regular basis. This is not a very good three point shooting team. And they shot 33%, which isn't great, but it's a little above what you'd expect them to do against a team that's supposed to be good defensively like the Wolves. So, I mean, you can get away with defense like this against the Detroit Pistons and they play the Pistons again on Sunday. So, you know, maybe they get away with it again and maybe against the Kings next week too. But you play like this against the teams that the Timberwolves will face after these four games against the Pistons and Kings and you're not going to win. I don't care if you think you're going to score 128 offensively. You're going to give up 130 if you play this defense against, I don't know, insert almost any team besides the Pistons or the Kings here. And it's going to be a major issue. Um, so that was disappointing in this game for for the Timberwolves. The second thing is I have a little bit of a concern about about and this is maybe maybe a little bit maybe I'm 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 reading into this too much. I worry a little bit about what I like to call the Clippers syndrome, the Doc Rivers Clippers teams, with the issues that they always had with officiating. This Timberwolves team, and, and if you've if you're a longtime supporter of the Timberwolves, you've seen Carl Anthony Towns do his thing where he complains on almost every single possession. He gets in these ruts in his career. And and again, to be fair, he's been much better this year, but it's not only him. And Patrick Beverly's got his own unique relationship with the officials. I think largely does a good job of, of walking that line. He did get a technical in this game. But uh, officials around the league know what Patrick Beverly's up to. They He's friendly with them. It's, it's, it's more just he's kind of his own thing. But the problem is, is he can get away with that stuff. The other Timberwolves players can't. I mean, Carl Anthony Towns got called for a technical for yelling for a foul on Beverly's shot attempt when Beverly got fouled. And it was Beverly who actually acted more demonstratively towards the official than Towns did. But the official hears Towns because they're also used to hearing Towns complain. And they're used to him yelling foul really, really, really loud. You can hear it on the TV broadcast. And so he gets called for a technical. Later, Beverly gets called for a technical. And then Anthony Edwards gets called for one for, I mean, again, it's more a reputation thing at this point. And it's, it's, it's a little worrisome to me because they're acting as though they feel they're entitled to some of these calls. And they're, you know, coming into this game, a game above 500. They're in the play-in. They're seventh in the West, which is great. But like, I mean, you're not the number, you're not the Warriors. You're not, I mean, you're not even the Grizzlies, right? You're not, you're not the the Bulls. You're not a team that necessarily has the the status or as a, as a organization to be complaining as much as they are. Yes, I will be the first to admit or the first to 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 argue that the Timberwolves have gotten the short end of the stick a lot this year. They still are are dead last in terms of free throw differential. They shoot way less free throws than their opponents do. They continue to get called for more fouls than any other team in the league. Um so there is something to that. But they can also overplay their hand and and it can it can be a little bit cringy to watch them complain as much as they do at times. Um so all this to say, I just think the Timberwolves need to be careful to not become the entitled Doc Rivers Clippers with Patrick Beverly, of course, who was on those teams, um, and and just you know have it be a complete wine fest the entire game. Now, Chris Finch does a really good job. He he, I think, is very even keel. It seems like half the time he's upset at his own players, and half the time it's upset at the officials, and not upset at his players in a Tom Thibodeau way, not upset at the officials in a Doc Rivers way. I think he's fairly measured in the way that he responds. Um, to, to officiating issues and also the way his own team is playing. So I think that that is going to help. Uh, but the Beverly plus Towns and now Anthony Edwards is, is being a little bit more demonstrative in the way he reacts than he did certainly last year and even earlier this season. 
hopefully that doesn't become a major issue. And, and uh, it just stuck out in this game. The middle stages, they were getting frustrated. They were losing by a couple of possessions to a bad team. And they allowed those frustrations to boil over. The Pistons missed two out of the three technical free throws they attempted. But uh, I thought that was a notable thing in this game was was the the gripes that the Timberwolves had with the officiating. I think they need to be careful moving forward that this doesn't become a routine thing. All right, my third key takeaway is, uh, I guess, generally about the rotation, but specifically Malik Beasley. I mean, is the, is this what we've been waiting for? Is it was it the threat of you know the trade deadline is a week away or or something that caused Malik Beasley to to kick this into gear? Um, I mean, what three games ago the loss to Phoenix? He was really good, nine of eighteen shooting, made four threes, had twenty six points for the Wolves in that game. The Utah game uh, wasn't as pretty. He shot three of twelve, but then a pretty good game against Denver the other night. Granted, his former team he plays well against them, but he made four threes, twelve points, five rebounds, and twenty four minutes off the bench. Now, in this game, he scores 18 points in just 20 minutes, six of nine shooting, four of five on threes, was active, was good, did not turn the ball over. He's turned it over just one time over this last four-game stretch. Now, he doesn't turn it over much anyway because he's just a catch-and-shoot guy, but still, he's playing cleaner. I mean, you go back and you look to, to some of the games earlier this year, he was averaging more than a turnover a game, even in his limited minutes, and now he's completely taking care of the ball. He's making far more shots than he was. He's now, over these four games, he's over 40%. Um, he's going to start to drag that three-point percentage up. And instead of being a volume guy, um, he's going to actually become what we thought he could be if, if he keeps up this hot stretch. Now, hopefully playing some more bad defensive teams, the Pistons against Sunday, two more games against the Kings, that can lead to some um, some confidence for Beasley. And then that can that can cause him to, to uh, as they start to play a tougher stretch in the schedule and, and better defenses, to continue to shoot the ball really well. Now, the trickle-down effect of Beverly coming back from injury and Beasley playing well is that Jalen Noel has seen his minutes shrink. 13 minutes played in this game. He was fine when he was on the floor. He scored just three points, but he made he made a three-pointer. Um, but he actually had... Uh, he, he only played 13 minutes. Nasrud played 12. They were the two lowest minutes totals on the, on the team in this game. Um, so... We're going to see, you know, these minutes fluctuate. I mean, Torian Prince was out of the rotation a couple of weeks ago and he played 24 minutes and was phenomenal in this game. Um, I talked about Beasley already, but Torian had 23 and six, 23.6 rebounds in 24 minutes, made five threes himself. Uh, Beasley and Prince combined to shoot nine of 11 on three-point attempts in this game. Um, so the rotation is going to continue to, to be tweaked a little bit by Chris Finch, but the Beasley thing, six days away from the trade deadline, is he moved at the deadline? Do the Timberwolves play up this hot stretch, parlay that into potentially a Malik Beasley trade, or do they say, hey, look, we didn't really want to trade him anyway. We think we've got something here. We think he can be the guy who scored 19.9 points per game in a Wolves uniform coming into this season, is under contract next year with the team option for the following year. Why would we trade him now when he could be that instant offense guy for us? Um, and that depth piece, are we really going to get better? Do we really want to trade him and and you know, bring in a piece that we've got to then rework into the rotation and get used to our the way we play over the final couple months of the season. So I think it's far more likely. I never thought it was likely Beasley was traded. I I really don't think it's likely he's traded. Now I just don't. Um, and I think that it would be too much of a of a it would rock the boat too much for a guy who's now playing well again. Obviously, his teammates like him, and he was so good last year for Minnesota. There's a reason they signed him to the extension. Um, so the point here, though, is the rotation was tweaked a little bit. Beasley Prince were fantastic off the bench, less Noel minutes. Um, and it'll be interesting to monitor that moving forward, how that minutes allocation goes uh, as, as we move ahead. All right, um, let's do individual studs and duds from this game next here. 
First, of, first though, let's talk about our friends over at Built Bar. It's the new year. That means New Year's resolutions. If yours is about getting fit or eating healthier, make sure that you include Built Bar in your plan. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Built Bar makes it easier to stick to your resolution because it tastes so good, you'll want to eat it. Unlike other protein bars, which can be chalky or waxy or taste like a chemical spill, you want to eat healthy, but it just gets so boring. By like week three, you might be thinking, this is not worth it. Where's the chocolate? Well, Built Bar has you covered because... Built Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. Most Built Bars contain 130 calories, just 4 grams of sugar and only 4 net carbs, plus 17 grams of protein. Compare that to a candy bar, which usually has around 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs. Here's an idea for the new year. Go to all your secret treat stashes at home, in the pantry, at the office, in the car, wherever they might be. Throw out all of the sugary or calorie-filled treats and replace them with Built Bars. So when you're craving a snack or a treat, you can reach for something that's healthy and tastes incredible. Even if you're not a huge fan of working out, you can at least eat something that tastes good and is good for you. That way, when you enjoy a delicious Built Bar, you can almost count it as a workout. There's so many flavors to choose from. Coconut almond, peanut butter brownie, raspberry cookies and cream, salted caramel, mint brownie, and many, many more. In fact, I just got a shipment that had a blueberry muffin in it. It had the uh, the coconut brownie chunk, which are my favorites in it. Um, I forget what the third one was, but those are my absolute two. Oh, raspberry was the third one. The coconut brownie chunk and blueberry muffin are my two favorites. They are phenomenal. Built Bar is always coming out with new Limited time flavors. So check out built.com often to see what's new. Go to built.com, use promo code LOCKED15 and get 15% off your order. Again, that's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. All right, let's talk individual studs and duds from this one. Um, So the team was led in scoring by Anthony Edwards. I actually don't think this was that good of an ant game. I mean, he had the big three-point play uh, to push the lead back up after it had gotten down to five in the final few minutes of this game. Um, and it had a couple of nice uh, kind of forays to the rim in this game. But generally speaking, it was it was not efficient for Ant. So he's not going to be one of my studs, even though he led the team in scoring 25 points on 21 shots. Uh, you know, it was fine. Only three rebounds, just the one assist to, to two turnovers in this game. Ant was, was good. He was not great in this game. My number one stud has to be Torian Prince. He was phenomenal once again. I mean, he is just on a, a completely unbelievable streak right now off the bench for Minnesota. In this game, 23 points on 8 of 13 shooting, 5 of 6 on 3-point attempts, 6 rebounds, 1 assist, 1 steal for Torian Prince. Uh, look, I mean, look at what he's done over the past couple games. This is the second straight game he scored 23 points in 24 minutes off the bench. Uh, on Tuesday against Denver, 23 points on 12 shots, 6 made threes, 9 rebounds. This game, 23 points on 13 shots, 5 made threes, 6 rebounds. Um, just a, a really huge boost that he's given the team off the bench. By the way, he's played exactly 24 minutes in each of the last four games. He scored 10 three games ago against Utah, 14 last Friday against Phoenix. So that's four consecutive games. He's played 24 minutes, four straight games. He's, he's scored in double figures and now two straight games. He's hit five or more threes and scored 23 points. Fantastic play from Torian Prince. We always knew he was going to be a good rotation piece. But he's been out of the rotation multiple times this year. He struggled so much with the shot. And now finally, with this hot stretch, his his three-point shooting percentage is going to be right up around his career average. Uh, you know, once we once uh the the numbers from Thursday get put on, you know, onto basketball reference, we're gonna see that number kind of be right around where he's been at for his career, that 38-ish, 37, 38% from outside the arc uh on the season. So it's it's hard to say enough about what Torian Prince did in this game, once again for Minnesota. Another stud for me, of course, Malik Beasley. Already talked about him. 18 points in 20 minutes, 6 of 9 shooting, 4 of 5 on threes, 
two of two at the line, two assists, one rebound, one steal, no turnovers for Malik Beasley. Uh, he was second on the team in plus minus with a plus 13. Weirdly, Prince was only a plus two. Uh, but again, lots of noise with a single game plus minus. So a good game from Malik Beasley. My third stud uh, is going to be Carl Anthony Towns. This was uh, not a gaudy numbers game for him, but it was an effective game. 21 points, 14 rebounds, four assists. He did turn it over five times. There was a travel that eh, it was a travel, but should have been a foul first early in the game. He had a couple of bad passes, uh, but... Overall, a pretty good game for Cat. He was 0-4 on threes, but he was 9 of 10 at the free throw line. I mean, 21 points on 15 shots is fine. And again, 14 rebounds, 4 assists, 2 blocks. And both of those blocks were in the final minute on the kind of the final, like, really important possession for the Pistons when it was still a five-point game with just under a minute to play. And Towns blocked uh, Bay and Grant, I believe, both in the paint. Um for both both those both Pistons players in the paint on that possession on either side of a timeout. So Really strong game from Towns. Good defensively even before that, but but generally speaking, just a really good game from Cat. Also notable, I mean, these guys also played really well. Jared Vanderbilt, 13-6 and six with two steals in this game. Five of six shooting, typically efficient for him. Patrick Beverly stuffing the stat sheet with 11 points, seven assists, six rebounds, two steals, only one turnover. So a good game from him as well. Quiet games from Nas Reed uh, and Jalen Noel. Also, Jaden McDaniels was, was good. In this game, 10 points, only had two rebounds in 32 minutes. Um, Jordan McLaughlin was really good off the bench, running the second unit. Eight assists, zero turnovers in 16 minutes, and a team best plus 19 in the plus-minus column. He only scored two points. He only attempted one shot from the field. So really solid game for Jordan McLaughlin. And he's uh, he's been kind of an unsung hero with D'Lo out the last week plus now. Jordan McLaughlin's been very good. He got a couple of starts in there. I guess maybe one, just one start in there, but has played well when he's been called upon for the Timberwolves. Uh, and after having a, a rough start to the season, I mean, he was not good at all. Um, the whole really first like three months of the year, two and a half months of the year. And then now over the past week to two weeks, he's been really solid for the Timberwolves and for Chris Finch. So um, obviously he won't be in the rotation once D'Lo gets back, but because he's played so well, it allowed the Wolves to, to let D'Lo sit these last two games. I'm sure they considered having Russell play Tuesday and Thursday, but now they've got two days off, Friday, Saturday off before they play the Sunday matinee. It wouldn't surprise me if Russell's back. I mean, he was questionable for this game. So, you know, you give him an extra three days of rest by him not playing tonight. Maybe Russell comes back on Sunday to play the Pistons uh, at, at Target Center in the matinee. All right, um, just a quick snapshot of the standings now and what's next for the Wolves after this win, the Timberwolves are still seventh in the West. They're now, though, a game and a half clear of the Clippers, who are sitting in eighth. And they are, a, a, well, I say that. The Clippers are actually playing as I record this. They're playing the Lakers. They're up by five at halftime. So it could be back to two games, um, or it could be, I'm sorry, back to one game if the Clippers win. But at the moment, they're a game and a half clear of the Clippers in the seventh spot. They're only a game and a half behind Denver for the sixth spot in the Western Conference. And, of course, the sixth spot means you're out of the play-in. And right now, the Wolves would be in that coveted seven spots, a good spot to be in. The sixth spot is an even better spot to be in, obviously. Um, and Minnesota is only a game and a half behind Denver and at the moment has a tiebreaker, two games to one over the Nuggets with one game to play between the two. Next up, the Wolves have the Pistons on Sunday. That's a 2.30 p.m. tip at Target Center, the rare Target Center matinee against the same Pistons team. And then they go on the road for back-to-back -back games consecutively at Sacramento, same team, same arena, next Tuesday and Wednesday. Uh, late tips, uh, nine o'clock both days central against the Kings. Um, so three more winnable games. We'll see if the Wolves can't win all three and, and get themselves a six game winning streak before they head to to face the, the Bulls at United Center next Friday night. 
um, even if they win two out of three there, you know, of this next three, you're still looking at five wins out of six. Um, you know, I, I think that would be completely reasonable with the back-to-back upcoming. But really good to get this win um, at Detroit in a game where they just didn't play their best for the middle chunk of it. Um, and generally, this was uh, this was a solid win. All right, that's all we have for you today. Thanks again for listening to Lockdown Wolves and for making Lockdown Wolves your first listen every day. Of course, the show is free and available everywhere. That includes YouTube as well as all of your favorite audio platforms from Apple to Google, Spotify to Odyssey. You can also follow on Twitter at Lockdown T Wolves and at B Beacon with two B's, two E's, C K E N. Thanks again for listening to Lockdown Wolves. Of course, the podcast is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Remember, the Lockdown Network is your local experts on all the biggest stories. As you make Lockdown Wolves your first listen, don't forget to make your second listen Lockdown Bets. It's your daily one stop shop for all your gambling needs. Lockdown Bets, hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Locked on Wolves podcast, and we'll catch you next time.